Did you know you can support your local independent bookstore and me in my efforts to promote books that feature women in aviation by shopping for your next aviatrix read on the Literary Aviatrix website? I built the website to serve as a central source to search and find books featuring women in aviation, and it was important to me to offer you the opportunity to buy from independent sellers. If the book you're interested in is available on bookshop.org, you'll find a link to purchase through my affiliate account on my website, which means I'll receive a small portion of the sale to support the content you love. Blue skies and happy reading. Welcome to the Aviatrix Writer's Room. I'm Liz Booker. In this conversation with Kristen L. Gray, author of The Amelia Six and three other children's books, she talks about her writing and publishing journey and offers advice for aspiring writers. Later, you cannot trust it to come again, to wait for you to find a pen and fill the paper with the message that it wants to so continuing my conversation with Kristen L. Gray, the author of four young uh, books for young readers, including The Amelia Six, which is an Amelia Earhart mystery novel for middle grade readers. I want to talk to you more about writing for young people. How did you, so you mentioned in the first part of our interview how it was about an eight-year journey for you from the time that you decided you were going to write to being published. So how did you hone your craft? What resources um, did you tap into to go from aspiring writer to author? Sure. Um, basically, I went to my library and I read all the new books as they put them out. <laughs> as many, you know, as many as I could. I would go to, you know, you want to, it's good to read the classics, but it's also important to read, you know, the new market. So you know what publishers are looking for, what's relevant to kids today. I think so many times we can go online and someone asks for a book rec. Well, it's every every all the recommendations that people throw out there are from 30 40 50 years ago and there's a place for those but it's so important to stay relevant you know to, to what our kids are experiencing today um i joined scbwi uh the society of children's book writers and illustrators i started going to local and regional conferences networking with other writers meeting agents and editors I met my own agent. I flew out to Big Sur, California. They had a um, writing workshop that they were hosting there. And I just ended up on a round table. And I had um, exactly eight pages of this written and with me. And she waited an entire year for me to finish drafting it. Um, and then we decided to work together, which that was amazing, an amazing moment. But there are ways out there. At least we have Google now. You know, you can Google how to be a children's writer or how to be a writer. I'm sure you have people that write for adults too. There's a big, well, because I'm in South Midwest, there's a big annual conference uh, in Dallas, Fort Worth every year. That's um, DFW Con, I believe, is really respected in the industry. Uh, and writers so, digest. Yeah. So is that agent still your agent? Yeah, she still is. Yeah. That's We've been we signed. So almost eight years now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so I think that that's just a really important point and one that I, um, I mean, the whole point of what we're doing right here is to give other women in aviation um, sort of the, the lessons that we learned along the way as writers and aspiring writers um, and maybe speed that track for them. <laughs> and for me, like, I had a book idea. I did NaNoWriMo. I wrote the book. It was garbage. I knew it. And then I, and that was when I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do this. Where do I go? And it was, you know, after I had written my first draft that I discovered what SCBWI was, it also speaks to the value of going to those conferences and networking. And yes, I do think there's something the meeting face to face for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then and and those, and those workshops in those workshops, yes, you pay to do them. But there's a person there who is reading your work now. I mean, you have their undivided attention for however many pages you've submitted for that workshop. And if they like it, I mean, look what happened to you. And you hadn't even written the book yet. And I was so afraid to go to that conference because I felt so inadequate. I knew no one in the room. But, you know, I came across a quote that says, life expands in proportion to one's courage. Like the week before I turned my money in and I'm like, okay, and look. Who knows if any of this would have happened had I not, you know, gone for it. Or maybe it would be delayed or maybe different books. I don't know. But I just thought, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm so glad I did. I'm so I'm glad, so glad I did. you did too. That's a great story. So what does your writing life look like now? Like what's a typical day for you? Um, running kids to school, getting my coffee, um, I try to not look at my inbox and try to write 500 words. I used to be able to do more before the pandemic, but then I'm not going to lie. I had about a year that I couldn't read or, I mean, I was stuck on chapter one for 15 months. I just, I could not stop scrolling the news. And so that's why I'm just had to um, kind of cut myself off from detox. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. It's, we've been through a lot, you know? Yep. And, um, and of course I had all five kids move back home, all zooming in different rooms. Our bandwidth was just non-existent, <laughs> you know? So, but anyway, all to say, I feel like I'm kind of getting my groove back. Um, I've had a couple of projects uh, that I've kind of squeaked out proposals for that um, haven't gone anywhere. So that's kind of been a big bummer after a year of not doing a lot. And when I finally get the courage to, you know, to put pen to paper again, and then realizing, like, okay, this needs a rewrite, you know, before someone can seriously consider it. But, you know, that's part of the writer's journey. Everyone, everyone faces rejection, no matter how many books you have out there, things still get rejected. Things still need to be rewrited. So um, that's where I'm right now, just trying to write in the cracks. Uh, sometimes I write on my phone while I'm waiting um, to pick my daughter up from sports. You know, if I don't have any paper hand me, I keep a little, what's called bear. I don't know, just one of those note apps on your phone that I just constantly add to, you know, if it's a few lines of dialogue or an idea for a new picture book. I just, Yeah. Sometimes my family gripes at me for being on my phone too much, but I want to say, but I'm really working. I'm working. <laughs> it's my notes app. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that's a clever way to do it because you always have it with you. And it tricks my brain. It doesn't feel like work as much for some reason. If I'm not in front of, you know, a big screen, it feels more like texting a friend. What's the app that you're using? It's Bear? It's called Bear. It's just open, just kind of like you can make a a to-do list or anything. And I have about 60 different files on there. It's just empty space and you can just kind of type away. And then when you're ready to get to serious work on it, you just pull out what you what you yeah. jotted down or you can, that. Send it, you can send it to email or or whatever yeah i am still an analog girl <laughs> I, I carry around a bullet journal <laughs> yeah no but i have one of those too they're awesome because yeah. things like in the ether they're just gone mm-hmm. you know whereas i can flip a page open and it's there so yeah no i guess i totally get that too and and also just the tactile uh, satisfaction of crossing, <laughs> crossing through things. I'm very big about as my word count grows, writing that, you know, where I ended for the day and marking it through. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, little- me too. Well, I mean, it's the tricks that you play because it's so abstract mm-hmm. when it's gone, you know, you do all this work. If you're painting a painting, you right. can see the progress all in front of you. Cause I do a little painting too, but this okay, has yeah. been really hard for me as a discipline because, you know, I'm an instant gratification girl. I was flying search and rescue and you as a nurse, like your patient is in front of you. You can see their progress. You can see the effect that you're having on them instantly. You're writing a book. It's just like, is it, is it growing? Am I getting anywhere? So I do the same thing. I play tricks with myself. I use, um, I use the forest app to grow trees and do like, Pomodoro sprints, um, work sprints. And then I use my bullet journal to do like when I'm really in a mode of like producing words, I do the same thing. I I write my words down. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that funny, all these little hacks, but you got to play the games with yourself to see, to however in your brain you can quantify your progress. And for me, it's seeing those things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah something that I needed. So um, tell me a little bit about, uh, so you already had an agent for Amelia Six and um, they sold it. Who was, who's the publisher? Simon & Schuster, Paula Wiseman books. Simon & Schuster, good job. That's great. So just tell me about that process for you. Um, is, you is your agent an editorial agent? Um, and then you already talked about, you know, needing to do the, the changes to the mother relationship and oh, that kind right. of stuff. But yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, um, my agent is editorial. This, um, so it's the same. I had the same editor for Amelia Six that I had for this. Volonia uh, okay. Beebe takes charge. Okay. So for Volonia Beebe takes charge, I had the whole novel draft um, that was shopped around, and Simon and Schuster bought it. But for um, they had an op- it's called an option clause, which I'm sure you know about that. They kind of get first right of refusal if you write in the same genre, age group, category. And so I I pitched a proposal for this. So it was a synopsis in three chapters. So they bought it, but which, yay, awesome. But I will say it's a whole different kind of pressure writing um, for, it's a good problem to have, but it's a whole different level of pressure trying to finish a draft. It's already contracted and you don't know if it's working or not. You know, yeah. so I did have about three goes of big picture um, edits on this one because it was so I'd never written a mystery before, for one thing. And um, 
I felt like I was in a crash course, you know, while, while I was already under, under a contract. But anyway, some people swear they'll never do it again. Um, they want to have the whole thing out first and out of their head the way they can envision it and then try to sell it that way. So there's, there's pros and cons, I think, to both. I mean, that is nice that the, the pressure is not there, but yet also you can spend a whole year drafting something, not knowing if, not knowing if anyone wants it, which yes, we're supposed to write for ourselves. Right. But you also need to pay bills. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of a catch. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm uh, not there with the books yet, but experiencing that for the first time with uh, magazine articles, any that I have written before have been, I knew I had a full concept of what I was going to write. I had an outline and I was ready to go. And now I'm operating on deadlines for sort of more abstract. Like I have a monthly column that I'm writing that I, oh, wow. and so I have deadlines, but I don't necessarily have all the ideas sketched out yet. So that's a different kind of pre- pressure. Be, yeah, that would be difficult, but it's an awesome, awesome problem to have. But yeah, that would be a lot of pressure every month having to and what's your word count for those? Is it- the, that one's short, thankfully, and it's just about books. So I'm I, like the kind of thing that I'm doing here, I'll be doing for the Aviation for Women magazine, basically, you know, coming up with sort of a theme for the month and talking about certain books to highlight. So that's the good thing. I mean, is that yeah. you can use a little bit of the blurb to fill in the cracks, but that I have another article about a woman in aviation that is due on Monday. Oh, I yeah. have not started. Yeah, I, I kind of have the sketch of I have it tomorrow. That's all I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you, but I'm the same way, especially if a deadline's looming and things then other uh, get my bit. I have a, a big month long count, you know, calendar things start getting the ax, you know, I yep. even showers sometimes, you know, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like I'll have to wash my hair on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about book promotion. This has been really fascinating to me to hear all the different perspectives and the different ways in which publishers are or are not supporting book promotion. So tell me about your experience. It Well, it's been very strange because of COVID. The Amelia Six was um, my first book that I was actually going to be sent places by my publisher. Um, the other books... You know, I arranged my own book tour, you know, mini book tours, whatnot. And um, so that was a big bummer. But um, Zoom's been great. Like being able to talk with you, Liz, and other, you know, bookshops or book clubs like yourselves and schools. In some ways, I've been able to travel, (laughs) you know, more than before. Um, But I know everyone's getting a little bit of Zoom fatigue too so that's been well or sometimes there's just so many events like I want to try to be a good friend and make other friends events and sometimes there's just so there's so many but um yeah I think the internet and social media again I try not to be on there too much because I I really can fall down a rabbit hole not as much um and well, sometimes shopping, but mainly it's the scientists and the researchers. <laughs> I just follow down this huge research hole and then, you know, two hours go by because it feels like research. I mean, some of it is research, yeah. but it's just people can chronicle their day. You know, there's the, the whole aviation community on there is just fascinating and you can follow. I'm guessing for the age group that you're writing, you're not on TikTok. 
no, I'm not. And I got on TikTok and you want to talk about a rabbit hole for <laughs> sure. Cause, yeah. cause of course, you know, with my interests, I have all my, all the aviation stuff. So we, there are like flight students who are doing these great little skits about learning to fly. Oh. There are all these videos about flying. And then I have my military stuff and there are all these clowns, uh, like just have all kinds of military jokes and I can get lost in there forever. So yeah, it's a huge time it, suck if you let it. I wish. Is there a way to group? Because mine, all my people that I follow like that are all jumbled up together. Like, I wish there was a way I can group, you know, my Mars rover scientists here or my, you know, my aviation people here or my, I don't know, that would maybe help organize my brain a little bit. But, but yeah, but anyway, back to promotion, um, just popping it now that things are opening up opening up again. I've been just popping into my close independent bookstores. We've had two new ones crop up, which is really happy and awesome, especially during the pandemic. So introducing myself to them um, and just trying to use social media as much as I can and just connecting with other book people. That's the, that's the most fun part, honestly. How has being a published author affected your life? Um, I kind of laughed at this because then not a lot in a lot of ways. In fact, right before our call, I actually had to pull a dead rodent out from under my stove. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, awesome. My kitchen stinks. What is that? Um, (laughs) But, um, but in other ways, my friend group has absolutely expanded. I've learned so much, met so many interesting, fabulous, smart, articulate, people that I would just be really crushed to ever have to leave the industry. You know, it's even as hard as the business side gets, it's the people that keep me here and the kids and the kids are amazing. You know, the readers are amazing and smart and brilliant and funny and inspiring, but um, it's the people I've met along the way, you know, and I've, and just how we are all helping each other and learn from each other and, Everyone has something to offer if we just sit and listen. And I think, and most people are genuinely want to be helpful. Like, you know, the caretaker at the museum, the scientists I've met at NASA, people really do want to help, you know, to help and share their stories. So So what advice do you have um, for anyone who is considering writing for children and young adults. And I also wanted to ask you if you have any favorite craft books that helped you along the way. Oh, good question. Um, craft books, Bird by Bird, my Anne Lamott, which is a big one. Um, Story by Robert McKee. He's actually screenwriters. I've learned so much by studying screenwriting as far as plot. Plotting is very difficult for me. I am a detail or well about some things in my life, but I think it's my research brain that I love. I can get focused on tiny little nuggets of really cool facts and then zero in on that and not see the whole big picture. So the book story and studying movies and film have actually been really helpful to me as far as plotting. Um, There's one more I was going to say. While you're looking for it, I will just yeah. say that um, uh, in that vein, I really like Save the Cat Writes a Novel, too. Yes. Yes. I use that's that a lot really good, too. For story structure. Yeah. And 
And then, um, let's see, writing picture books by Ann Whitford Paul. I have that really on my shelf. Yeah. If you're wanting to write for the younger, but yes, absolutely save the cat. I loved. And um, this one for kids, Dear Genius uh, by Ursula Nordstrom. She's the editor that signed um, Evie White. And anyway, lots of great classics. And it's basically their letters back and forth, but it's just, it's a hug of a book. Um, and you know, you learn, you learn a lot about the editorial process. Um, I don't know, as you're reading, but it's, it's one of those good, just keep by your nightstand. If you're down in the dumps, just pick it up and read a few pages. And it's just really uplifting and funny. She's really funny to boot. Those are great, great recommendations. <laughs> and how about your advice for aspiring writers? Oh, for um, read as much as you can, everything you can write as much as you can. Um, carry a journal, keep your eyes and ears open, pay attention to the world around you. Nothing is too small to be included in a story. Uh, but most importantly, your story matters and only you can tell it the way you can. Yeah. Awesome advice. Kristen, yeah. thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And thanks for sharing your story. And again, thanks for the Amelia Six. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Liz. I appreciate it.